Good morning. Glad you're all here. Uh, let's just get right into this. We've prayed, so we're going to get 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 uh, get going. I want to say that God has a design for our lives. You know, Jesus taught many valuable lessons, giving us great principles by which to live, and everything He did and said is of utmost importance to us. And we make it our goal to be as familiar as possible with Him and His teachings, don't we? And if last words are important, then certainly Jesus' final instructions to his disciples must weigh heavily on our hearts and minds. You guys might be sick of this verse, or these verses, but Matthew records his last words as, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very ends of the age. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the Great Commission, right? His last command, our first concern. So Jesus gave us a mission. The question is, how are we doing at it, <laughs> right? Uh, we know that right now, 63% of the U.S. population, or 210 million people, identify as Christian. But we also realize that that number is made up of Catholics, Protestants, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and everything in between. So they are not all Christians, um, even though they say they are, right? Fifty years ago, 90% of Americans identified as Christians. And right now, more churches are closing than, than are starting. The attrition rate of pastors is climbing. Things have been on a steady decline for decades in America. Protestants make up about 140 to 160 million of that 210 million total. And Barna Research says that out of all the teaching pastors in America, only 13% preach from a biblical worldview, that they actually believe the Bible and preach from it. So there are about or I'm sorry, 380,000 churches in the U.S. US for a total population of 332.5 million. Now, if you take 13% of those, there are well less than 50,000 churches with even a possible truth capacity to be a witness for Christ. Lifeway Research says that at least 57% of Americans think monthly on how, can they, how they can find more purpose and meaning in life. More than half of the people around us. So you run into these people every day at work, in your neighborhoods, in restaurants, at the grocery store, or what have you. But all believers are called to be faithful gospel witnesses in the places they live and work and play. And we may want to leave the job to the pastor to do evangelism, right? But if one pastor lives in a town of 50,000 people, how are they alone to reach 50,000 people? That would be impossible. Or if you had 10 pastors in a city of 1.6 million people like Philadelphia, each would have to reach 160,000 people. Now, if we are generous in our numbers, which I think we are being generous, that there are actually 50,000 gospel-preaching churches in America, and we relied only on those pastors to preach the gospel, then each one of them would have to reach 6,650 people. But they'd have to give up their pastorate and go out on the streets full-time to do that. But I want you to remember that a pastor's job outside of preaching the gospel is to shepherd the flock, to equip, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and to keep the gospel pure, to guard against heresy. So let's say each of those churches, those 50,000 churches, had 150 people each 
then the numbers would drop to 44, 44 people <laughs> or persons that we would all have to reach, right? And we remember that every new believer that comes along is also probably going to be sharing Christ, so the, the numbers drop even lower. The truth of the matter is we need to increase our witness having everybody in the game. We need to be equipped to do this, which is what, what the next three weeks uh, concerns, this series concerns. I uh, talked with somebody recently that's 30 or 40 years into their walk with Christ, and they said they've only shared the gospel a couple times earlier on in their, their walk, and that if you press them right now, they wouldn't know how to do it. So we need to equip ourselves to share the gospel clearly. It's very simple. Now, the Bible says that God used uneducated common men. That's Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Like the disciples, to launch his mission of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And the only significant thing about those men were that they had been with Jesus. They were filled with the message of Christ and filled also with the Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, is true of all of us that claim Christ as well here today. And God has placed each one of us in this context, where we live, work, and play, and worship, for this time to be his, his gospel outposts. The Acts 1-8 version of Jesus' final words has Jesus telling his followers that they'll be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth which means that we shift our focus off building our own kingdom and we see ourselves rather as outposts for God's kingdom. Christ's representatives, his ambassadors, living in enemy territory, because that's what the statistics speak to. There are more people out there who do not believe than do believe in America right now. It is a mission field. Therefore, our homes are gospel outposts in our neighborhoods. Our desks are gospel outposts in our schools and offices. We are gospel outposts in our community, at the grocery store, ball, ballpark, the gym, wherever you're going during the day. Now, each of you should have gotten a 3 by 5 card this morning as you walked in. And if you are listening from home, uh, you can grab something to write on. And uh, on those 3x5 cards, I'm asking you to write down the names of people that you know who are far from God, and then I want you to commit to praying for opportunities with those people to turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations. Maybe those would include the three people that you're praying to bring to Alpha in January, and I hope you're still doing that. Uh, now, you don't have to run home and share the gospel with these people. Not right away. I'm not saying that. But just begin to pray specific prayers for them. You want to pray down their walls, so to speak, that God would overturn their worldview, that he would reveal their need for him, that they would experience the blessing of brokenness, the conviction of sin, that God would begin to draw them to himself and that the opportunity would arise for you to share the joy of salvation with them. Because remember, it is God who draws people to Christ, not us, right? And then I want you to take those cards with all those names on it, however many there are, and I want you to place your cards in a prominent place, which you're going to see often, you know, on the dashboard of your car, on your refrigerator, on your bathroom mirror, whatever it is. Uh, and I want you to pray for them each time you look at the card. If it's easier for you, then set a, a repeat reminder on your phone to pray a few times a day for these people. 
But the point is, turn off the radio, turn off the TV, close your computer, and begin to petition the Holy Spirit to begin to open hearts. If one of those people should happen to see your card, then that's wonderful. Just say to them, you know what? I've been praying for you as often as I look at this card. What do you think about that? And maybe that will lead into some conversation with them. I'll give you a minute to do that right now. But remember to include the one person on that card that you think that would never come to Christ. Take a minute, write out your names on that card, and then we'll come back to it. You know, we have the news people need to hear to heal brokenness and find purpose and meaning through being reconciled to God in Christ. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to learn a conversational, relational way to tell them about it. Now, if you're listening at home via the website, what you're going to need to do is download the PDF of the slides uh, because the slides are very important for this sermon. You're going to be able to see the design that I'm drawing out. And this all starts with God's design. So we see this from the very beginning. Genesis 1 and 2 tell us all about life as our, as our designer created or meant it to be. A life that we all long for in, in, in the world, since Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has set eternity in the hearts of every person. He has a design for our lives, for every life that he's ever created or will create, right? So firstly, God created us and loves us. And I honestly believe that. God created us and loved us, loves us. He designed the world and everything in it. He created everything as it was meant to be, and he said it was good, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. He created humans in his image, the pinnacle of his creation. He called us very good, Genesis 1, 26 through 2, 24. And uh, secondly, God has, has a design for every aspect of our lives. Uh, Genesis 1, 27, he has a design, a design for our gender identity. He created us male and female. That was no mistake. He has a design for our families. He commanded us to be fruitful and multiply, uh, Genesis 1.28. He has a design for our work life. He gave us dominion over the earth and we're called to work the garden. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 say this. He gave us uh, a design for our rest life. God modeled rest on the seventh day of creation, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And he commands that of us in the Ten Commandments as well, to take a, a rest day. He has a design for our marriages. We've grown, we, we're to grow in maturity, building family relationships through a godly spouse who shares our beliefs and values, Genesis 2, 24. Now, outside of basic attraction, remember, the central thing which makes and keeps a Christian marriage is shared beliefs and values in Christ, nothing else, right? Thirdly, God designed us for a relationship with him. He created us to have unbroken communion with him. Genesis 3, verse 8. Before Adam and Eve fell into sin, God walked and talked with us in the garden. We had a very open, good relationship with him. But tragically, now we hide from our designer. Genesis 3, 8 and 9 says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God, God called to the man, where are you? As if he didn't know, right? <laughs> where are you? But that's the, that's the question that he's shouting out to all of the world right now. 
And this is our, sta- our, our tragic state of humankind at this point in history. God created us to be in relationship with him, but we turned our back and now we live in shame and hiding. And there are many ways to hide, aren't there? But we also notice that God also, also always pursues calling out, where are you? And this communion, which was meant to be unbroken, we find can be restored through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to take the time to draw out the rest of this three, three, uh, simple three-circle diagram for you, which, <coughs> which illustrates the gospel and with, with which you can use to share it with others, okay? So you would start out by drawing the first circle, and you would say God is a design for every area of our lives, our families, our marriages, our money, our sex life, our work life, just plain life. God is a design for it. God designed us to be in relationship with him, and that is the circle that you would draw first for your listener. And and we can see this in the first chapters of Genesis, as we said earlier. But we all have departed from that design, which the Bible calls sin. We are born with a sinful nature. Sin comes very naturally to all of us. There's no one who gets it right all the time, right? Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God which means that we, have, we all sin, we all fall short of the God's perfect design for us. And that's the arrow that you would draw next. And you can see it up on the screen. Then you would draw another circle, explaining the sin leaves us in a state of brokenness, right? And brokenness is, is easy for most of us to understand. It comes in the form of broken relationships, addictions, depression, discouragement, guilt, shame, what have you, right? And we all want out of our brokenness, so we try to fix it. And that's the squiggly lines that are coming out of our brokenness circle. And we medicate and we numb this brokenness with drugs or alcohol or sex or what have you. And we, go one, we tend to go to one of two ways. We become either licentious or legalistic. And I'll define these terms. Uh, firstly, licentious. Uh, some of us give up, we give into debauchery, we party, we just, we just like live life for ourselves. We might seek identity through work or money or power, unhealthy relationships or false sexual identities or bad relationships. And that is just living in licentiousness, right? While others strive to be better people, hoping that somehow, someway, our good will outweigh the bad and we try to make ourselves to be right, We pursue our own self-righteousness. It's a righteousness that we make up, right, about ourselves. And we look at, at, at others with disdain when they don't measure up to our standards, and that is legalism, right? But suffice it to say that we all look for ways to alleviate our pain, either through being really bad or being really good or somewhere in that spectrum in between. But in doing that, All we get is more and more broken, don't we? Brokenness feels like a bad thing, but in in many ways, brokenness is a great thing because it's how God gets our attention. It makes us to recognize our need for Him. When we feel broken on the inside and everything's a mess, we know something needs to change. So we draw another circle uh, there on our paper or our napkin or whatever, uh, and we state that that there's good news right? Which is really what the word gospel means, that God sent Jesus to live a perfect life and die the death that we deserved and then be raised to life again. 
proving that he is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. Jesus came to forgive and pay for our sins to heal our brokenness, right? Then we draw an arrow to, the, to that circle from the second circle, stating uh, the biblical word for change is repent. And repent simply, simply means to turn around, to turn from one thing and turn the other way to go towards something else, right? Brokenness is what gets us ready to give God's solution a try, which is to repent and believe in Jesus. Repent and believe in the news of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. And so when we realize that the, that the change we really need comes from Jesus, we turn and we place our trust and belief in him. Then we draw an arrow from that circle to the first circle, stating that when we repent and believe in him, he gives us his spirit who helps us to recover and to pursue God's design for ourselves. And then Jesus sends us right back out into the broken world to tell others how to find their way out of brokenness as well. And that's it. That's the diagram. Very simple, very easy, and you can use it, right? But let me ask you a question. Those of you who are sitting here this morning and those of you who are listening at home, where do you see yourself in this diagram? Because if you reside still in that circle of brokenness, what would keep you from repenting and believing in the gospel right now? Why would you not give Christ a chance? Because nothing else has worked. We both know that. I know that. I'm a pastor. This is what I do. I know this. Nothing works but being reconciled to our Heavenly Father again in Christ. So if you feel broken right now and you've never made this step of faith, take a moment right now and tell God that you're tired of running, you're tired of hiding, that you know you need Jesus, excuse me, that you repent, that you turn from your sin, and you believe and trust in his death and resurrection to pay for your sin. As a matter of fact, let me just lead you in that prayer. You can kind of repeat what I have to say, and you could use your own words as well. Lord Jesus, I come before you and I confess to you that I have been running and hiding. And I realize now that you are the creator of the universe, that you are the savior that I need. And so I repent. I turn away from my sin. I, am, I want to stop relying on myself. I want to stop medicating myself, and I want to walk with you. So I repent, I believe, and I place my trust in you. Come, be my Savior, take over, and be Lord of my life. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to hear it, by the way. <laughs> if you're at home, email me at jason at 68.org. I'd love to hear that you, you prayed that, and we can talk more. But for those of you who believe, what would prevent you from being trained to share the good news with others who still live in brokenness? Now, you might say that you, you're fearful of it, right? Fearful of having these conversations of what, what others might think, that it's really awkward or whatever. And I get that. I understand that. I, you know, some people think that I have this total boldness to do this. I don't. I mean, I fight it as well. We all do. But I don't think it's just that fear. I think it's really because many of us have lost our joy. We do not 
really sense the joy of salvation anymore. So I want to pray that over you right now. Lord Jesus, come and restore the joy of our salvation. Renew a right spirit in us. Give us the desire to walk and live this out fully. We pray that you would give us that solid foundation of joy in our life, that of who we are in you, who you are to us, so that we can be, no matter the anxieties and all that stuff, we can push past that stuff to get to the real meat of what matters with other people. I pray that you would give us the words like you've promised to, that you would be uh, filling us with your spirit and that would be pouring out on people. And I pray that they would sense that joy of salvation in us as well, and they would want to hear what we have to say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, now, we're going to take a few minutes to practice this. Um, you may feel awkward, but I want you to grab somebody that's close to you right now, and I want to, you to use the napkin that you were given when you walked in uh, to walk through this diagram to draw it out and talk about every point as you do as with this other person as if as if they were your friend that you're you're like having dinner with and you're sharing the gospel with them and remember we're using napkins to remind ourselves that this can be done very easily like over dinner with a friend draw it out explaining each step just as i have and then switch and allow the other person to do it you may not do it perfectly that's fine this is practice you're allowed to make mistakes <laughs> and i'll give you a few minutes to do that Now, everyone, good practice, all right? Now, everyone, open your phones, and I want you to go to the App Store, if you can, right now, and I want you to search for the Three Circles app. It's a white icon with the red circles and arrows in it, just like on the screen there, but without the, the words. And I want you to download that app, and I want you to open it. And I want to talk through this again a little bit using the app, because I like the app. The app... Uh, gives you scripture verses to use in discussion with others. And I always feel like it's really important that we do use scripture when we're talking to people as much as we can, right? You know, maybe, maybe you're out and you're drawing and you don't really remember the, the verses. That's okay. Just share the gospel. But um, if you can, use, use scripture. It's, it's very powerful. It's God's sort of love letter to people. So it's kind of, kind of nice. But um, so it starts out, with a, a home screen telling you what it's all about and then you hit the first arrow and you have that first circle god's design and it says uh it says a few things there you can read that on your own and then down below you see, you see it says the bible says and it has two verses that you can share with people and then it goes to the next screen and that's the arrow that it talks about sin and it kind of gives you three little lines three three sentences that you can say about sin and then it gives you two verses that you can share with people. And then it goes to the brokenness circle with the little squiggly lines out of it, right? And it gives you, you know, basically three or four sentences again. And then another verse to share with people. And then you go to the gospel circle. Again, uh, maybe a paragraph of stuff to say to people. And then two verses to share with them. And then you see repent and believe. Simple little uh, couple paragraphs there and... And then the Bible says, and you got two more verses you can share with people. And then finally, the last arrow from the third circle back to the first, recover and pursue. Uh, it gives you a few things to say there and two verses to share with people. And then the last screen 
gives you it's it's it gives you a, a little paragraph to share with people and and some more verses but it's what should i do now right so it teaches them how to walk through that prayer that they can pray and to put their trust in and repent and put their trust in Jesus. So it's a really good app. If you can, if you can download that and, you know, practice that at home in front of your mirror with somebody, you know, like as if you were talking to somebody, just get very familiar with doing it. Very familiar with doing it. Practice makes you perfect. Remember, like, you know, you see professional basketball players, they go out and they shoot, you know, how many shots in practice before they go into a game. Practice makes perfect, right? Now, if you, remember, if you don't have the app, you can always draw it out on a napkin or a piece of paper, and um, it's always there. If it's in your head and in your heart, it's right there to use with people. So my challenge is, you, is to you is this this week. Uh, practice this three times with three different people. Practice this three times with three different people outside of by yourself in the mirror, <laughs> right? So three different people. And I'm going to give you an out because this is practice. You can do this with anybody. It can be a Christian or a non-Christian. Maybe if you're doing it with a Christian, you can train them how to do it, right? We want to spread this news, right? It doesn't matter who you're doing it with because this is practice. Just practice it with at least three different people. But if you can, if you're bold, if you're courageous enough and you get the opportunity, make one of those people a non-believer, okay? And then if you have anything that you want to share with me about what's happened in your conversations with the people, please email me and share those stories. I would love to be able to relay those uh, to others, um, to the rest of the church. God bless you. Let me pray us out of this. Father God, we thank you for these simple tools. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for creation. We thank you for this story that you have us in. We thank you for um, where you are, you are taking us, for the purpose that you've given us. We thank you for your glory and your holiness. And we ask that we would be filled with the joy of salvation, with the fruit of the Spirit, and that we would be walking this out well with you and sharing it with others. I pray that it would just naturally pour out of us with others and that these simple skills would not just be rote, but they would be full of life. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.